This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. This episode is brought to you by Sax.com. At Sax.com, it's easy to find your new vibe. Dive into the Western trend with gold cowboy boots from Stott or go full 90s throwback with platforms from Prada. You can shop for everything on your agenda, whether it's a breezy Zimmerman dress for a garden party or a bright Chloe blazer for brunch. Find inspiration for your new vibe every day at Saks.com. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Welcome to Help Me Be Me. I'm your host, Sarah Mae Bates. I'm a writer, director, mom, and a breakup coach with an MAMFT. And this podcast is kind of like a personal relationship in that I talk to you like you're my friend. I provide tools to help you feel more grounded, empowered, inspired, and most of all, help you see yourself. This is aimed at creating more harmony and happiness in the relationship you have with you so you can better guide your life and also be better to those you love. Take what helps and leave the rest. This is not a diagnosis for treatment. If you're really struggling, call your local emergency services. Hi friends, this is an episode I'm calling Self-Forgiveness, and it is for releasing a regret that you might be holding on to. So this is for anyone who is heading towards the end of the year and wants to lighten up in some way. Um, it's like if you are holding on to something that is bugging you about the past, something that you did or didn't do, or maybe it's just a thing. I don't know. It doesn't have to be like specifically something you did. I think um, why I'm bringing this up is just if we hold on to stuff and um, it still has friction for us in our memory, it is still present and it's affecting and guiding your future. So it's in many ways like choosing to occupy yourself in your present day life by giving this thing energy. It's like we're practically, we're actively practicing reliving this thing, almost like it's a moving meditation. And sometimes that's because we feel like this will somehow give us what we deserve, like an act of penance. Or sometimes it's like we're trying to honor that thing and how bad it is in our in our definition of it. So we're like suffering intentionally in some ways. And sometimes it's because we are just like twitching around this thing, like a muscle spasm. In other words, we it's like a kink that we just can't seem to face in the right way. And therefore, we cannot process and release it. So this is my invitation to you pop that zit, <laughs> like let's break open this thing, whatever it is, and work it out so we can release it. 
And I think a lot of the time these things will inform whatever next steps we need to take. And that will be a gift, like a gift of forward momentum. So don't fear it. Welcome it. And it actually will set you free. I say that because so many of the things that scare us to face them are actually just mislabeled in our energy. Like they're really just old fears that are not current and they don't belong to the present. Like they are the fears of a nine-year-old self or the fears of a very sad child or the fears of somebody that went through a really gnarly fill-in-the-blank, you know, in our early adulthood. So that takes me to an important caveat, which is approach this safely. Like I don't want to make you feel unstable or overwhelmed or triggered. And the holidays are already a big, heavy season. And because of that, it's maybe not, you know, if if this feels like it's going to make you feel like tip that balance, maybe don't do this right now. You know, the, the end of the year is like a big marker in that it brings up all the previous years. So, you know, maybe just save it. Don't do it now, but Or do this with the support of a friend or a therapist. And I will say, when we open up old things, they're like time capsules of loss. And we don't want to have had this thing happen. It's like it's triggering all these old feelings around a similar type of feeling. And what's around it, like kind of the scar tissue around it, is this feeling of, but no, But no, but I don't want this to have happened, but no. So for you, I just want to bring up the idea of therapy and talk therapy and any form of therapy, but, you know, support of some kind. And I'm going to remind you, we have BetterHelp as our sponsor. And if that's something that feels right for you, I'm going to put a link in the show notes to that. Therapy is a great resource to just process grief and sometimes that's grief over the echo of unprocessed loss that has triggered old unprocessed losses so I would say often our bodies are in a static state of but I don't want this to have happened I don't want this to be true and yet it is true and it's so it's like for us to be in the present saying that to ourselves energetically is all it's doing is just stealing our present joy so I would think of this, if that's true for you, if you have anything that's sitting on your being, it's kind of like keeping a splinter and it just forms more scar tissue and it just continues to hurt us in the present. So I would say walk toward the conflict within and let it be seen as a gift of insight and growth. It will be if you choose to approach it that way and take it for all it's worth. It's an opportunity. And I can't tell you how often this happens when I listen to a retelling of a story from a client. It like they see it as um, on the surface as, oh, this is just a thing that happened. And this is what I chose to do as a result of it. And it's very straightforward. But in their story, there will be this hidden spin, like a false interpretation of the damaging moment of the past and the thing in the spin we give it 
has morphed its meaning. And so the morphed version of the meaning is like what, what we often can't see. And, and therefore, the thing is not just the event of the past. It's also this meaning that it has given to our lives. And usually that meaning is like this thing that's been stolen from us or this thing that's irreversible or this new definition of self that we can't ever recover from or this thing that went wrong about the course of our lives that we cannot undo. It's like these very, very big emotional meanings that we don't even recognize we are adding to the event or the thing. And so it's that emotional response to that story this bigness that makes us kind of pause and clench and grip in this one particular area of our emotional body and so it's this kind of vague amorphous feeling of like around whatever subject it happens to be you know of like but no oh or but but I can't but this is who I am but I have to do XYZ moving forward to compensate or now I have to run from this fill-in-the-blank truth. It's like all of these very big kind of amorphous myths that we live out. And unbeknownst to us, we create this and we live out that warped definition, which is intertwined often with just an overall resistance to looking at it, to processing it, to revisiting it. And so, you know, at some point we, we might want to process it, but we stop short in that looking for whatever reason. And I think oftentimes it's like that reason is it's too painful or I'm not stable enough yet or it's traumatic and therefore it's kind of woven, interwoven into like our fight flight response, which is gonna bring up all the other old traumas we have and therefore the association becomes intensified and chaotic and so we just don't go there whatever the reason is via this fear of the old thing of the old feeling let's say it's shame or abandonment or I'm a bad person regret it's like we kind of move on without finishing the conversation with ourselves about this thing and oftentimes we need to do that as adults, as more stable people, like later on, you know, we're not ready to do it immediately after the thing. And so it just kind of stays there. And so when we move on without finishing that conversation about why we did what we did or why what happened happened and why that thing might be totally normal and expected based on our circumstances, it's like we move on without giving ourselves that context and with that there's still a side of this that we don't know how to accept or forgive and so this thing continues to exist and live out as a part of our narrative within our definition of self as adults and I'm not talking you know this could be something that's one tiny thing but yet it's still creating drag on your person it's like this little internal script that speaks through us in this kind of dark, shadowy area. And what we don't realize about the past is it's much more neutral than our emotional responses might tell us, like than our memory tells us. Like the truth is just the truth. 
It's very ordinary. It's not bad. It's not good. It just is. And that is what I want to conjure for you and bring forth for you today is just a neutrality and a comfort with that knowledge. Like you're not different than everybody else. Everybody does pretty much the same thing in the same set of circumstances with the same set of factors that lead up to it. Everyone does pretty much the same thing. Our responses are pretty predictable. And when we can welcome the truth and see it as objective, we can stop trying to control the narrative. And that is when relief and also connection opens up. It's like when that thing becomes something we can own and it doesn't own us anymore. I know for myself, I feel incredibly lonely when I'm not connected to the truth of others and when there is a truth of me that is not connected to others. Like I feel somewhat like I'm alone in a crowded room. So when we can share a truth, it's like suddenly we are holding hands, but invisibly. So I welcome you to think of a time like that right now, like maybe a party, an event, a social gathering, a moment when truth came into a conversation with others, and it might have felt raw or scary, but maybe it felt like relief. Maybe it felt like air, like air came into the room. This is how it can feel to bring this into your own life for yourself. And I strongly encourage talk therapy for this kind of work. But outside of that, I invite you to bring that air into an experience of the past that thus far for you, you've judged yourself for and maybe you've relived it or just doesn't sit right with you values wise. And therefore it causes you a little bit of pain and conflict. It doesn't have to be big, it could be small, just an invitation to let go of anything as we enter the end of this year. And I would say process in small increments if it feels too heavy. If it starts to feel too heavy, step back, invite levity into your life. I would put Paddington 2 on the Movie Watch playlist or Shrek 2, two of my favorites. And with that, here are some tools for some personal excavation. And before I go into the tools, first a brief word from our sponsors. This episode is brought to you by Sax.com. At Sax.com, it's easy to find your new vibe. Dive into the Western trend with gold cowboy boots from Stott. Or go full 90s throwback with platforms from Prada. You can shop for everything on your agenda. Whether it's a breezy Zimmerman dress for a garden party or a bright Chloe blazer for brunch. Find inspiration for your new vibe. Every day at Sax.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Okay, here we go. The tools. All right, the first tool is a mantra. There's two parts to this one, but the first half is be right with yourself. So this is just a, a guiding line for all situations. An ideal I wanted to offer in times of stress, in times of big change, in times when you know memories are being marked 
in your body, be right with you. Be right with what you do. And that is the goal, to just act according to your bar for yourself. And that brings me to a question, which is, what is your bar for yourself? I think even if you kind of vaguely know, I would invite you to write it down in your journal because it's just good to have it top of mind. I think we can get into the gray area when we don't have it top of mind. So that's when we start to act a little bit wishy-washy or we act against our values. And when we do that, yes, it can hurt others, but most of all, it's a self-violation. It hurts us. It scars because we don't believe in the thing we have done. So what would this journal entry look like? For example, my bar for myself is honesty, respect of others, kindness, respect of myself, not letting myself be intentionally mean or intentionally belittling to other people. Like my goal is to never make someone feel bad. And I want to try my best to do the right thing, to better others, to respect the rights and autonomy of others, etc. And to also be consistently striving to better myself. So I invite you to journal on that as well. What is your bar for yourself? The next tool is called the specter or the ghost in the halls. When we have a regret, it tends to show up in the corridors of our our little utterances, like our isms, like something that's a simple phrase, you know, that might recur throughout your mind, throughout your life, throughout your narrative. Things like, well, it's too late for me, or, but yeah, I don't really meet people, or I missed my chance. Whatever it is, I don't know if this is going to resonate. If it doesn't, don't force it, but I want you to write down whatever those things happen to be for you and jot down anything that comes to mind and then walk away from it. And later, maybe a week later, return to it anew. And once you can look at it anew, I want you to ask, where does this myth come from? What is this saying most closely associate with? And I would just do some free association on roots. And you might be surprised about where the roots are from. I, when I did this exercise, I realized, oh, I'm so simple. <laughs> like my trauma response during a very specific experience is absolutely recurring. And what am I going to do about it? Like outside of just noticing that now, what are things I can start to teach myself to do in the future in reaction to those things? All right, next tool, boundaries refresh. I wanted to put this in here because I think it's just helpful to have top of mind. And I think a lot of the time when we have regret, it's because we have violated our boundaries with our actions and what we have allowed. And the goal with good boundaries is just to not betray yourself, not violate what is appropriate by your value system. So when you have experiences that betray you, I think a lot of them have resulted from a leaky boundary, just one specific leaky boundary. And something has slipped through that is not aligned with our values. And I just want to hone in on that area of sensitivity and firm up 
wherever you happen to have a weak one because it's just all it takes is one bad boundary and then all of this stuff just kind of seeps through that is not aligned with what you deem okay for yourself boundaries are basically what translates to the spigot of what you allow in and out of your person you can change everything in your life in just how you regulate boundaries bad boundaries equals stuff coming in that you don't want boundaries are equivalent to access to yourself how how you allow access to your mind your body your favors your approval your attention your money access to your affection your things your time someone having access to your thoughts and your brain and you caring about them obsessing about them so all of that that what I'm calling a spigot, like a hose spigot, is something you are responsible for policing and regulating. And how you police that is by allowing in or blocking off that spigot that is your being. So like a really quick example, someone that you just have met calls you in the middle of the night. It's not an emergency. What do you do to regulate your boundaries in the face of that, I'm going to give you what I would do. I would probably block them on my phone and I would distance myself from them and I would not um, engage with them further. I don't have to have a, like a lengthy conversation with them. I just know immediately they have demonstrated they do not have respect for my time and they also have very bad boundaries. And in general, if you're a healthy adult, we can't keep relationships with people who have bad boundaries and don't respect boundaries because it's just going to keep happening. So for me, at this point in my life, I'm going to close that spigot off that is access to me. I'm not going to be mean about it. I'm not going to be angry about it. It just is. It's a very simple transaction of like, oh, no, I don't want to have this type of person in my life. Just that's what it is. I'm not angry about it. I'm just like respecting the truth of that fact. I will say with boundaries, the only exceptions to this are, I would say, somebody you are taking care of. Like that is a situation where we kind of have to consistently go above and beyond <laughs> in ways that we don't necessarily want to. I mean, that's a kind of a no-brainer, but had to add that caveat in there. All right, next tool, regrets list. This is my invitation for you to write all of your regrets down. Just jot any and everything on a piece of paper, let's say your journal, and just see them all and then walk away. And then a week later, a couple days later, come back to it. And I want you to look through this list and just examine what might still invite some kind of action from you. Like which of these things are still giving you friction? Like what feels hot to the touch feels like it still has energy behind it and I ask that because like sometimes there are ways for us to make amends to ourselves through an action in favor of how this thing hurts us I just did this process myself and it was surprising to me that I could still take an action on something that occurred in my late 20s and I was like oh I can still make this right with me with how I regretted behaving in this specific way. So throwing that tool out there for you as well. All right, next tool, somewhat related, 
I should have been different. A lot of the time we have these stories we tell ourselves about a thing that happened in the past and we think I should have been different in that moment. And I just want to like for you to pick one of those things from your regrets list and let's play it out. Let's let's take a time machine, go back to that moment. What would it require for that to be different? Let's like really process the timeline. Let's look at the context around this thing. Where were you in your life during that time? What factors would make all of this situation make total sense? Like, how do you make sense of you at that time? And what would have to be different for you to have a have been a different person? It's like a lot of the time, the regret is coming about because we're not mad at ourselves. We're mad that this violation had to happen to us because of all of the other things that set it up. It's usually like a waterfall of deeper pain that's chronic. And it's kind of like what it's really going to do is not only allow you to feel compassion for yourself and just kind of hold yourself in the, the pain that surrounds it. It's also going to allow you to really mourn like a lot of the time what we're resisting is overwhelming sadness because it feels too heavy and it feels like floodgates are going to open and I'm going to fall apart and I won't be able to get back up again and in some cases that might be true and in that case I would say like you really need to do this with a therapist and respect that fact in other cases we fall apart for an hour and then we pick ourselves up And we do all of the things in our self-care routine to make sure we are regulating our chemicals. This is how we, what I would call titrate the pain of processing, is we do it deliberately. We do it in a controlled burn sense. And then we teach our bodies, you're safe. We come back to normal. We bring our baseline back to what it needs to be. And we continue to function. And this is how we kind of build trust with our, our emotional body. And we feel safe enough to process and eventually we feel safe enough to process live and by that I mean like as a thing happens in your life you move through it immediately and you cry and then you you keep going and and we stop holding things and resisting things becomes like a healthier way to move through pretty big scary emotional things so we confront them as they happen and we we help ourselves we hold ourselves almost like a wiser strong supportive force outside of us that's comforting us through our life like we're holding our own hand and it's profound so I'm inviting you to do something similar with these types of splinters the other thing I would say let's take these old whatever this pain is this regret that we're processing right now and we've revisited that time we've seen all the context of what made this thing occur now Let's play out how, if you were different in that moment, how that would look today. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you what I think will happen. Like, let's say my regret is, I wish back then that I called the police and reported this person for doing something. And then 
Let's play out how that occurs in the rest of your life moving forward. Like if that's the wish, if that's the emotional wish or the regret, let's play out the future of what happened after that. You have to go to court. You become very traumatized in court. You start using more alcohol. You start using more drugs. You start to fall apart as a person. You start to have leaky boundaries because of the substance abuse. Then you decide you don't like men at all. Then you decide that you're going to move out to a different country and go find yourself and becomes a series of highs and lows. Like if we really play out the reality of you doing a totally opposite thing back in the day, my guess is it would catalyze a very different future for you that is not necessarily sustainable or one that you would want for yourself. So just going to leave that with you. I invite you to do the same exercise. If you were a different person back then, you would be a very different person today. And I'm guessing not a good way because we usually respect our limits in the moment. Just wanted to say that. All right. Next tool is called the pearl. I want us to flip over these stones, these rocks, these whatever moments they are in our past and really invite the material that they're here to gift us. They're here to gift us a creation of some sort. For me, one of them is this podcast. This directly came out of all of the like worst, gnarliest, most terrible shit that I would never want to have gone through but this is now one of the things that fulfills me the most I'm not saying that we all have to make some big job or life cause out of things but if you look at this as an opportunity of some sort it is it is a moment here for you today to gift yourself with some momentum in some direction I don't know what that direction is but it's here for something good and your job is just to flip it over and see what is, ask, what is this material? What is this opening up for me today? Second half of the pearl is a journal exercise. And I want you to ask yourself, kind of a difficult question, how am I indulging in any kind of inaction around this thing? Follow-up prompt, how am I indulging in pain? The reason I ask that is a lot of the time we do indulge in pain. Like when we are wallowing or we're practicing feeling depressed about something or we're like reliving something deliberately and like making it sting our brain, it's because we're, it's like a version of masturbation kind of. It's not changing anything. It's allowing you to feel like you are controlling the thing via uh, allowing it to still keep you paused so it's kind of like an excuse it's a, it's a way to feel like I'm active in doing something about this thing that bugs me but I'm actually choosing still to remain in a state of inaction last prompt is how did I hurt me and I say that because a lot of the time we think about what we did to somebody else we think about something that affected other things but we also don't really internalize that like in the moment of the thing, we probably gave ourselves uh, some scar tissue. Like we are the ones that did it to us. So if that is true for you, I invite you to apologize to yourself and just kind of mean it, you know, energetically mean it and take accountability. 
And then the last part of this is what are the blessings that have come as a result of this thing? In other words, flip the coin on the meaning of this thing that pertains to your history. And a lot of the time it has allowed us to do other things in the face of it. And it has grown a muscle that we wouldn't have had otherwise. Okay, next tool is called the beginner's mind. When you come into a process of looking at your life, what we are striving for is that beginner's mindset. And I'm going to offer that as kind of this third person frame to understand how it feels when you walk into, let's say, a meeting where everyone has done that thing for a decade and you don't know the rules about what to believe and what everyone has done and what we always do and what you're not supposed to do. And in that frame, you are a person who has strengths because of that, because you don't know all the quote rules because rules are actually just conventions that we fall into. It's like the lowest common denominator. So now let's apply this to your issues, whatever they are. The thing you think is shameful or cringeworthy is because you have a specific rehearsed common denominator relationship to it. It's like, this is how you feel about it because you've practiced feeling it this way about it over the course of your development as a person. And our goal is to get to that third person POV that is beginner's mindset and to see it as new, like as a stranger would. Because what does that new person see? They see that it's so simple. It's so straightforward. It's so uncharged. It's so relatable. And that everything you've done, that they, they would probably do it too. They, they can see it as like so uh, normal. In all of the situations of things that happen in our lives and things we do in our lives, the story writes itself. The lead in this story has gone through this and then they went to, through this and then this happened and then this other thing happened. That's my way of saying is you totally make sense. You make sense to me, you make sense to other people and it just has to make sense to you by you looking at, from outside of yourself at the entirety of the situation. And in order to do that, we have to step outside of the past and really like notice, like, what am I ignoring? What key information and vital information am I negating in this story? And how you, how to grow this mindset, how to really try and get outside of it. First, we have to get to a place where we can tell that story anew. And that requires that we tell it without agenda and without a need to control how it is heard without forcing it into this way, without lying about part of it. It's like we have to release it to the world. And I don't mean that literally. I don't mean like go and post this on TikTok. I mean just release it to some safe contained forum that can contain it for you. And via doing that, it is then released to us. It's like we're allowing input around this thing like an external object. It's no longer something we're coveting and protecting and hiding. It's like it detaches its grip like a parasite, like a parasite that's replaced our tongue. It's like we're taking it out of our body and allowing it to be seen and, and studied by the world. And that is how we 
lose our association with it. It's, it's a very empowering and profound process. So let's get to that process somehow. I, I'm not telling you how to do it. I'm just saying like get to that third person room with that thing. All right, next tool, the delete button. I just wanted to invite this. I'm just handing you a little delete button for the future. The instant delete button for a potentially shady, scarring splinter of an experience is to immediately take accountability. You can think of accountability as like a selfish thing in this way. As soon as I've done something that I know is my fault or I will feel bad about, I'm like, how can I immediately own it and get it out of my psyche? It's like even outside of what another person needs from me, this is for you. It's just a tool to keep in the back of your mind moving forward, especially when it comes to conflicts that are related to, let's say, I don't know, family and like the holidays. And I'm not saying like that this is necessarily you should tell to another person um, because a lot of people in family, it's like very complicated. Some people don't respect boundaries and some people are not safe to share things with. I'm just saying take accountability and a narrative in some shape or form in your life. And maybe the best way to do that is with a friend, your therapist, your partner. Just basically externalize it and make sense of it so it doesn't infect your subconscious. Like get it out of you. Like expose it to the light of day as soon as possible. And if an action is required to correct it, you will then be able to immediately take that action because no time has passed. And my last tool for you is called exposure therapy. I know this is like a controversial form of therapy. It's basically when they take people who have a phobia, like let's say snakes, and then they like make the person be around the snake for an extended period of time. And watching somebody go through this is like that they're like in a state of horror and trauma, but then they eventually like it just wears off. Like the shock wears off and then they're okay around the thing. So it's very effective. This, I'm not telling you to do that with this tool. I'm just saying after we own a thing that we don't like, that violated our values and our bar for ourselves, there's sometimes still that residual disgust around the event itself. And this is unfortunately not something we can just delete. It's like a lot of the time it's like a gross, terrible thing we just really don't, can't visualize and think about because it's upsetting or it's traumatizing. So... If for situations like that, I will say that there are therapies that are very effective um, that I've not done myself, but I have clients who do them and like them a lot. Things like tapping, EMDR. I'm not going to go into a list of things like that, but I did want to offer up also just as a perspective on the, on the thing that cringes, like causes you to cringe. When you talk about the thing for a long enough period of time, it just loses its charge because it changes context. It's like the memory is no longer isolated to the moment. It's retold in this moment and then that moment. And then it's related to this person and then that person. And then it's uh, used as a tool for teaching in this context and then that context. And so basically, instead of it causing us to go unconscious and feel like we have to fear and you know fear for our safety or whatever it is and relive that thing it can actually become a part of a new story and for me it's the story of or there are a couple but like one of them is the story of the thing that changed my life the first time and it used to be 
the thing that gave me like PTSD and immediately was like in a different time and like crying and then I was back in this time and then I was back in the old time and crying. That thing over time has now become something new that doesn't take over my body. And it's because it's been kind of overexposed in my experience of it and in my retelling of it and in the way that I've shared it and in the way that it is integrated into my story of my present. So it's almost become neutral in that process. And I'm only offering you up that story as just a a little keep in mind that like slowly over time, we can reclaim narratives in our life via just retelling them in a safe space. And let that be something you try for yourself. If it's something that is making your causing blips in your psyche you know maybe just start to invite that process to slowly take place for it to be safe for you to tell it and then hold yourself and then tell it again and then hold yourself and then tell it again and then soothe yourself etc so I hope this is helpful Um, thank you so much for everybody who has left a review. I love to read them. I really appreciate it. And anyone who has the time, reviews really help out the show. And thank you so much to all of my sponsors. I really appreciate all of the donations. If you don't have the means for a donation, I totally get it. Um, if you could just share this with someone, it could help. That would be amazing. In closing, um, Know that as a part of this episode, I am also processing a regret and forgiving myself. And it was an injury to self-definition that I am writing through this process. And also just giving myself context around it because it had been redefined in my past as something that like I didn't that didn't sit right with me and I I noticed that I was doing all these things around it to kind of justify it like I was trying to make myself feel comfortable with it by reaffirming like doubling down on the thing that I originally did being right and that is partly because like all things in life there are multiple ways to interpret it and there are pros for doing pro reasons and cons for doing anything You will be ambivalent about all difficult decisions in your life. And that makes it scary to act because what if I fuck up? I can't fuck up. It's super scary. And I'm still ambivalent, but it's it's something that didn't sit right with me. So that is why I took a step today. So no judgment. If there's no step that is right for you to take, you might go through this entire process and be like, you know what? There's no right step for me to take. I'm still not gonna do anything because I don't feel comfortable doing it totally fine only you can answer that question and the answer might surprise you it did for me so be open to hearing it and respecting whatever it was and because it's something that if I don't say this it won't sit right with me I know this is a heavy topic but I wanted to end this episode by passing along info that I got from my friend Lori Burns, who runs the Teen Project, which is to help vec- victims of sex trafficking and also kids who age out of the foster care system. I think a lot of the time when we see wrong happening and we have an opportunity to act, we freeze. 
And that's because we don't know what to do. And so we're afraid to do anything. We're afraid to like put ourselves in danger. And it's a complicated response. So I wanted to offer up, because you might be in this situation in the future, I was recently in this situation where I witnessed some very young girls that were being trafficked. And I was like, what do I do? I don't know what to do. And I knew in my body that I wanted to do something because otherwise I wouldn't, it wouldn't sit right with me. I would have, I would feel bugged by it forever. And, and thankfully I know that about myself now. So anyway, I learned through the process of taking action from my friend Lori, what anyone should do in that circumstance. And I want to share it with you in case you are in that situation in the future, because it's something that you might witness and you might be like, oh my God, that's terrible. What do I do? If you see a young person and it's evident that they are not with a parent, they are not dressed according to what they should be wearing in the in terms of like what is safe for them, and you just have a weird vibe about it, you don't necessarily have to approach that person. The, the most effective way to help that person is to get somebody, um, I know this sucks to say, but a male, to pick them up as if they are hiring that person and then get them immediately out of the area and then call the police. If you can't do that, if you don't have access to a person like to do that for you or you don't feel safe, pretend you are taking a photo near that person. Can't You can't try and help them because they're being watched usually at all times. Anyway, go near that person. Pretend you're taking a photo of something else nearby, like a picture of the background, whatever it is. Somehow get a photo of them, share it on Instagram, and ask, is anyone missing this person because oftentimes that person has been abducted their parents don't know where they are they've been missing and there are no photos of them that are being circulated currently and also call and immediately report it report it to ice you could just google that i'll put a link in the show notes but anyway that is the best thing you can do and do something don't let it be something that sits in your body. Like do something. There are all, always going to be moments like that where it's like, oof, this is scary. What do I do? Should I not do anything? Should I run? Maybe I'll just let it pass and I'm just, I'll hope somebody else did something. Don't do it with this. And if you want to learn more about The Teen Project, you can head to theteenproject.com and learn more about how you can donate to a very worthy cause. I hope this episode is helpful and I send you my love and don't forget to smile. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. 
Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.